We discovered that there were secrets that your body was trying to tell you that could really help you optimize performance. But no one could monitor those things. And that's when we set out to build the technology that we thought could really change the world. Welcome to the WHOOP Podcast. I'm your host, Will Ahmed, founder and CEO of WHOOP, where we are on a mission to unlock human performance. At WHOOP, our clients range from the best professional athletes in the world to Navy SEALs to fitness enthusiasts to Fortune 500 CEOs and executives. The common thread among WHOOP members is a passion to improve. What does it take to optimize performance for athletes, for humans, really anyone? And now that we've just launched the all-new WhoopStrap 3.0 featuring WHOOP Live, which takes real-time training and recovery analysis to the next level, you're going to hear how many of these users are optimizing their body with WHOOP and with other things in their life. On this podcast, we dig deeper, we interview experts, we interview industry leaders across sports, data, technology, physiology, athletic achievement, you name it. How can you use data to improve your body? What should you change about your life? My hope is that you'll leave these conversations with some new ideas and a greater passion for performance. With that in mind, I welcome you to the WHOOP podcast. Your body has physiological indicators that you can't feel. And in general, when it comes to performance, feelings are largely overrated. We as human beings like relying on feelings, but our feelings are often wrong. Whereas our body, it's almost like these secrets that your body is trying to tell you, they can predict things about your performance. I mean, heart rate variability is probably the most important thing. Hello, folks. You may have noticed that last week we put out our 50th episode of the WHOOP podcast. So it's now been exactly one year since this podcast debuted. And uh, frankly, it's been quite a ride for me. I've really enjoyed uh, getting to interview all these different guests. And because all of you listen, I'm going to keep doing it. So thank you for everyone who's listened to the WHOOP podcast over the last year. You know, you start these things, you don't necessarily know where they're going to take you. Uh, but we are excited to be continuing on this journey together. Now, WHOOP has grown tremendously in the past 12 months, and with so many new members on board and new listeners, I thought it would be a great time to reflect on how we got started and the origins of WHOOP, and really what can WHOOP do for you today. I recorded this episode at the Spartan World Championships earlier this year, and I was interviewed by the co-founders of ATP Science, Jeff Doidge and Matt Legg. They turn the tables on me for this one, and they interview me all about Whoop. We talk about the company's mission and how it began, how Whoop works and what it measures, what inspired me to found the company, why 24-7 biometric monitoring is so valuable, different behavior changes you can make to improve your data, and really all the different insights we've gained from Whoop data so far. I think you're going to enjoy this, and without further ado, I'm going to kick it over to Jeff and Matt. Welcome to the ATP Projects. You're with your host, Matt and Jeff, and today we have Will Ahmed in from the founder and the CEO of Whoop, which is really cool because we have a, a, a saying that that we use all the time at ATP is that you can only manage what you measure. And this is right. Oh man, I say that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so right. good. Yeah. This is right in your ballpark. So, uh, Will, do you want to explain a little bit about uh, your company, what you're doing? And uh, yeah, that, that we'll have a chat. We'll ask you some questions. Yeah. So really our mission at Whoop is to unlock human performance. 
So we believe that every individual has an inner potential that you can tap into if you can better understand their body and their behaviors. And we've developed technology across hardware, software, and analytics really designed to continuously understand the human body. Um, I'm wearing uh, the sensor here. It's a very small sensor. Stylish, too. Yeah. It looks good. There's a lot of different designs to it. I don't know if this camera can see it, but I'll pass it over to you. So it's, uh, it's really designed to be lightweight, it's designed to be passive, there's no screen on it, and it's monitoring your body 24-7. So we're measuring data across five different metrics 100 times a second. We collect about 100 megabytes of data on a person per day. But really what that all sum- comes up to is we summarize your sleep and your recovery and your strain. And we look at everything through that lens. And I got into this space personally because... I was always into sports and exercise. I think like you guys, I was playing squash while I was at Harvard and I was fortunate to be captain of the team there and I was training at a really high level, but I found that I was someone who used to overtrain almost every season. And so I got very interested in this concept of how can you prevent overtraining? turns out about 70% of athletes overtrain. And I got fascinated by physiology. I read something like 500 medical papers while I was in school, got interested in sleep and recovery and heart rate variability. And I ultimately wrote a paper myself on how to continuously understand the body. And that became the, uh, the business plan for founding Whoop. No, that's cool. crazy. Excellent. So what sort of parameters are you measuring? This is what I'm dying to know. What, what sort of data yeah, so, are we collecting? So the sensor itself is measuring heart rate, heart rate variability, skin connectivity, ambient temperature, and accelerometry. Yeah. And at any given moment, we're using all of those sensors or a few of them to give you outputs around sleep and recovery and strain. Okay. A simple way of thinking about what the sensor can do is it's replacing a chest strap, so a heart rate monitor. Yep. Uh, which a lot of people use during exercise. It's replacing that. It's replacing an electrocardiogram for the purpose of measuring heart rate variability. Mm -hmm. And it's replacing a PSG machine, which is the sleep lab quality data. Yeah, wow. So you got a chest strap, uh, an ECG, and a sleep lab all rolled up into a small sensor. And and do do people add in their own data as well? Like, Do people then put in training um, foods? Do they then relate that data back to how they're eating or how their heart rate might change in response to a food allergen or do how people um, respond to different styles of training. Is there other data added in? Yeah, absolutely. So Whoop will auto-detect a lot of the different activities that do, you do. You can also input them. So, you know, we measure, I think, 65 or 75 different types of activities, workouts. Um, you can think of all the main types of activities that people do. So one simple thing is you can figure out, well, what's my average strain if I uh, go for a five mile run versus a 10 mile run versus cycling versus basketball versus tennis, da, 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 right? Yep. And you start to figure out, okay, this is the stress that my body accumulates during any particular activity, right? Another important lens here is recovery. That's probably the single most important thing that we've brought to market that everyone from the best professional athletes in the world to high-end fitness enthusiasts, executives, people who understand their body are getting value out of. And it's really a score from zero to 100%, red, yellow, green, that's summarizing how ready your body is to perform. Okay. So if you go back for a second to overtraining, which yeah. is how I got into this whole thing, overtraining is really putting more stress on your body than your body is ready for, than your body is recovered. So if your body is run down and you put a lot of stress on it, you're overtraining it or overreaching in a short term. 
if you are really recovered and you don't put much stress on your body, you're undertraining, mm-hmm. oh, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the key is high recovery, high strain, low recovery, low strain, ah. mid recovery, mid strain. And it will measure that because this is the yeah twenty four seven. The challenge that I always have in my mind are people overtraining or under recovering. So you can well, now there's go that balance too. That. Yeah, yeah, but we show all that. Yeah. So every day you wake up on Whoop and it shows you a recovery from zero to hundred percent. That's based on things like your heart rate variability, uh, slow wave sleep, REM sleep, your resting heart rate. And then we'll give you this score, 0 to 100%, red, yellow, green, and it'll tell you how much strain to put on your body. Yeah, yeah. So if you're peaking, take on a lot of strain. If you're yeah. run down, do less. And uh, and then over the course of the day, Whoop will measure your strain. Yeah, That could cool. be in the form of you know, what we're doing, which is putting more stress on our bodies. Yeah, yeah. That could be in the form of daily activity. That could be in the form of exercise. And at any point during the day, you'll kind of check in and you'll say to yourself, oh, uh, maybe I've put too much strain on my body and I need to stop. Yeah. Or maybe I need to keep going. And, and you mentioned electrical conductance. So, you know, reactance versus resistance and that sort of thing. So is that a measure that would allow us to identify our intracellular hydration or electrolyte status would eat would, would that play into that to, to be a fair degree? i think that that technology hasn't advanced yep. you know maybe you have people come on here who they tell you they can measure hydration but yeah. we've done a lot of research in this yeah. space and we work with all the top performers and that technology is not there yet. yeah cool Good to so know. look i think you build credibility by measuring a few things really accurately yep. versus telling people you can measure everything. So that's our point of view at Whoop is we do a few things and we do them really well. Yeah, excellent. That's great. So when did the company launch? When did you you, you, you sell, start selling products? So founded Whoop in 2012. Yeah. Uh, my co-founder, John Capilupo, was studying the hardest math classes in the country at Harvard. Wow. He was 19 or 20 years old when we met. I was 21 or 22. And he um, and his father, it turns out, uh, is a professor of exercise physiology. So the two of us had a real overlap around physiology. I had done all that research. He had grown up around the dinner conversations. Uh, John uh, had the technical chops to do some things from a sensing standpoint and an algorithm standpoint that really hadn't been done before. And I had a vision for how to build a product for coaches and athletes and beyond. And so that's where it started in, in summer of 2012. And, you know, over the next 12 months, we had built some initial really goofy looking prototypes, you know, things the size of my head with with wires coming off of them. And, you know, finally a big clunky wristband that you could put on. But the data that would come off that prototype was really first of its kind. So we were the first company to be able to measure heart rate variability accurately from the wrist. We were able to do things like heart rate monitoring compared to a chest strap long before any other product. In fact, if you look at the lawsuits between Fitbit and Jawbone, all of the Whoop patents were listed as prior art. Yeah, So that's pretty cool, right? We got there first. Yeah, Um, yeah. And so we started started then working with um, really the best athletes in the world. Uh, And I I mean that quite literally. Like two of our first hundred users were Mm -hmm. LeBron James and Michael Phelps. Oh, wow. So we started at the tip of the pyramid, right? And How, How did you get those athletes? How did you, was that through a network of people that you know? Well, the secret to getting to anyone high profile just in life yeah. is who's the person that that person listens to that a bunch of people don't already know. Right. Yeah, right. Okay. Because, it, it, for example, in the case of LeBron, right, everyone knows who his coach is, his agent is, his wife is, right? Like, okay, that's hard to get to those people. 
what it turned out was um, he actually spends most of his day with his personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was 2014, 2015 timeframe. A lot of people at the time didn't know Mike, Mike Mencius. And so anyway, I reached out to Mike and sent him the technology. He wore the whoop. He liked it. And then he eventually put it on yeah, uh, put it on LeBron. And we had a similar process with Phelps. And, you know, so that that's how we ultimately got to some of these high-end people. And then once you have people like that wearing it, mm. there's a brilliant cascading effect. You yeah. know, even just this week. Uh, people are sending me photos of Steph Curry wearing it on the golf course. Yeah, wow. Tiger Woods was wearing it last yeah, week. Wow. And like, look, we don't we don't sponsor athletes, right? No, that's great. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. So these people are opting in because of the value that they're getting out of the watch. You're not yeah. having to. to it's give the them ultimate money. validation, right? Yeah, is sure. These, is. these are people buying it themselves and getting value out of it. Yeah. Now, often, sure, we'll send one to someone of that nature. Yeah. Um, but you're not paying the money for it. I mean, like to, to do look, it. we couldn't afford to pay the people of course. who are wearing this thing. Totally. Um, and they wouldn't use it if it didn't work. I yeah. Because. So you only wear it if it works. And I I said that from the beginning. No matter how much money we paid these guys, if the Mm. product sucked, they're not going to wear it 24-7. And the flip is true, too. If you can actually improve a high performer by 1% or even 5%, Mm. oh, my God, right? You've just changed the equation for that person. So that's how Whoop has been fortunate to play a role in these, these athletes' lives. Yeah. So it measures all the information and how is that displayed to you? Is that uh, downloaded? All of the data sent from the Whoop strap directly to your phone, phone to the cloud. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you can check in at various points throughout the day to look at your data on your phone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even the sensor can live in other areas of the body. So right now you can wear it on your forearm, you can wear it in an, um, in an arm sleeve above. Yeah. So if you're competing in a you know, a basketball game or you're on a tennis court or, you know, there's different places where you may prefer to wear it. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a continued area of investment. For me, n- not a professional athlete at all looking at me. I know that's hard to believe, but when I was playing over men's 40 soccer, one of the things I used to love to do was, was wear uh, my Garmin, right? Which would sure. tell me how far I'd run and, and I'd download that on the phone. And it was great for training as well too because I could see the distance, the heart rate, you know, it would be measuring my VO2 max and all that sort of stuff. Well, apparently right now you're making me question some stuff but what it came down to though is that on the games i couldn't use that because you weren't allowed to wear you know these big chunky watches of course you go out for a header or something you smack someone with a watch you're gonna get a lawsuit so then you had these really uncomfortable things that you had to put into these socks on your back I'm very familiar yeah with you know what you're describing so you're annoying yeah so one thing that's nice about this is because it's really small you can kind of take it out and you can sort of hide it under a wristband or up here yeah so we actually yeah, yeah. have a lot of athletes wearing this during games and no one even knows yeah and you know that's what i did i actually got a wristband really small. a watch is and more, they could see it's a little more invasive yeah it, and it's big and it's still like clunky i hit someone with that whereas that looks quite soft so mm-hmm. is it is it quite durable like can it take a knock or oh look man we work with the navy seals we work with mm-hmm. uh people who are really banging this thing wow up. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah, and it keeps it and it keeps and so going. Everywhere we go, I mean, I recently went to the International Society of Sports Nutrition. I reckon close to fifty percent of the content people were talking about was sleep and the importance of sleep for performance and the sleep for recovery. And so, really, this is quite timely and everything. And that it gives you a lot of good data about sleep, not just subjectively. How do you feel? You know. So. Oh look, I mean, I think sleep is the missing equation for most high-performing people mm. because once you dial in your sleep, everything else starts to feel so much easier in your life. It really does. And were you going to say something? Uh, well, I really am curious as to on the other side of the metrics. I mean, you know, we talk about sleep, we talk about the detoxification of the brain. We know that it's important, but for a long time, science wasn't really 100 percent sure exactly why we needed sleep per se. You know, we know. 
What have you discovered or what have you learned as far as maybe new information when you've looked at athletes and you've seen peak performance in terms of their sleep patterns? Like what has it, what have you been able to discover? Okay, so here we go. So the first thing is people talk about sleep very high level. They'll Mm. say, oh, you know, it's important to get seven or eight hours of sleep, right? Mm. Okay, first of all, if you spend eight hours in bed, that doesn't mean you get eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, a lot of people don't have that high of a sleep efficiency. Mm-hmm. So maybe they spend eight hours in bed and they're getting seven hours of sleep or six hours of sleep. We've worked with professional athletes that spend eight hours in bed and get four to five hours of sleep, mm-hmm. right? You're talking about people who are playing professional sports half drunk, Yeah, right? right. I mean, that's how much of a disadvantage that person's at. That person does not need to spend more time in the dugout, yeah. does not mm-hmm. need to spend more time uh, you know, at the range. Uh, or, or practicing, that person needs to figure out sleep because yeah. they're a phenom if they can figure out sleep. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So that's the first thing to understand is what is your sleep efficiency? Yeah. Right? Is everybody um, different? Have you noticed a big difference between different people in terms of what's Oh, optimal? absolutely. And different people on different nights too, right? Because there's all these other things that affect how well you sleep. But right. we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Then within the hours of sleep that you get, there's different stages. There's light, there's REM, there's slow wave, and then there's periods in which you're awake. Right now, REM and slow wave are way more important than just periods of light sleep. As you guys know, REM, that's the dream state. That's when your mind is repairing itself. Right. So if you want to be uh, focused in your daily life, if you have to make important cognitive decisions, which by all humans do, you need REM sleep every night. Slow wave sleep, especially for athletes, is even more important because that's when your body produces 95% of its human growth hormone. So people think you get stronger in the gym. No, you're breaking down your muscles in the gym. It's actually during slow wave sleep that you're repairing your body and getting stronger. So just based on that alone, right? if you get three to four hours of REM and slow wave sleep, you have a profoundly different experience the next day if you're getting one or two. And I guarantee you, most people listening to this have no idea how much REM and slow sleep no, they get because they're not, not measuring it, yeah. right? No. So that's the other fundamental thing is understand how much REM and slow wave sleep you get. On the flip side, we work with individuals that only spend five or six hours in bed, but they've figured out a way to get three hours or four hours even of really deep sleep, REM and slow wave. So that person is getting the equivalent amount of sleep of the eight hour in bed person yep. who's not as efficient, Yeah. right? Yeah. Now. What's the next layer? The layer is, okay, you figure out how much time you spend in bed. You figure out how efficiently you sleep. You figure out how much slow wave and REM you get. And then you figure out how you can improve it, right? Mm. That's the beautiful thing about measuring this stuff is you can manage it, right? Yeah, yeah right. Of course. So uh, here are a lot of things that people generally find help them sleep. Uh, one is the environment. So um, generally speaking, the darker the better. If you have trouble sleeping in a dark room or you're traveling a lot, you're in a hotel room, uh, wear an eye mask. Makes a huge difference, right? Because yep. it's blocking out light. Uh, cold. The colder, the better. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a, all kinds of studies on this. Uh, for those of you who, who are in Fahrenheit here, you know, I like to be at 65 degrees. Um, most people in their hotel room, it's way too hot. So, if you tra- mm-hmm. again, if you travel a lot, first thing you should do when you get to the hotel room, blast the AC. Every single yep. time. Yep. Yeah. And you guys seem pretty dialed on yep. this. Yeah. Well, that AC won't let us go below 68. Yeah. Oh, so, isn't isn't that I had a terrible yeah. night's sleep last night because it was too hot. Yeah. I, the the yeah. room I was staying in last yeah. night, the AC thing was broken. I actually yeah. I requested them to switch my room out, which yeah. they did. Yeah. Wow. And so, I ended up in a cold room. So, that's how yeah. much I'm into oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
supplements, you know, not everything's right for everyone. Mm -hmm. I've found personally taking magnesium before bed and melatonin probably Mm -hmm. four to five nights a week Mm -hmm. improves my sleep. I get a little more REM, a little more slow wave sleep. Uh, Managing your phone, right? Are you are you looking at that thing up until the second you fall asleep? Yeah, right. Because you're hitting and those those retina, which yeah, obviously it's affecting yeah, your eyes. Yeah. It's affecting your brain. Now, there's ways to offset that too. Blue light blocking glasses. Um, you know, you can get glasses that have uh, a red tint. And do, you, do you recommend that through the day as well too? Like people in front of computer screens, or is it generally only speaking, the- you should. You, if you're really um, in an environment that has a lot of fake artificial light, so if you're at a convention, you know, um, and you see a lot of that bright fluorescent light, that's probably when you might want to consider that during the day. Yeah, I mostly just wear them, um, you know, two to three hours before bed. Sometimes only thirty minutes before bed, yeah. but it helps your mind start to shut down, and you'll even start to feel sleepy when is you start right? wearing them. Wow. Uh, so that's that's all quite impactful um, from an environment standpoint, preparation standpoint. So another amazing sleep hack is around what's called sleep consistency. Sleep consistency is going to bed and waking up at the same time. Yeah. Right. They did a study actually on um, hundreds of Harvard students, this is the National Institute of Health, and they put out this paper, and they found that the consistency with which students went to bed and woken up was actually a more important predictor of GPA than how long people spent in bed. Wow. So it wasn't about duration, it was about consistency. Yeah. And the the power to whoop is that we were able to take that learning from a research institution and instead of it being on a couple hundred people, we applied it to 10 million sleep data sets. What? So we looked at 10 million sleep data sets and we found okay, if you go to bed and wake up at the same time as you have in previous nights, it makes your resting heart rate lower and your heart rate variability higher. So now, as part of the Whoop Coach in the app, we're actually coaching you not just on the duration of sleep that you should get, but when you should go to bed and wake up to be consistent. So again, if you know these people who say they only need six hours of sleep, the answer is they probably need more, but they probably have a consistent bedtime and wake time yeah, right? yeah. because that makes their sleep, again, back to the original point, more efficient, more REM, more slow wave. But not necessarily ideal. But you can get the data and help us to create an ideal scenario for the individual? Is that uh, what? Look, again, back to mm. you can only manage what you measure. Yeah. You've got to figure out where you are today. Yeah. And then it's building layers on top of each other. Yeah, you know, right. it's taken me years to get to the stuff I'm describing to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just funny in the four-hour body, Tim Ferriss talks a lot about um, exactly these kind of things. He was also talking about hacking the body in terms of uh, having a regular uh, sleep through the day. Where Have you read his, his book? Where I have. Yeah. I think I'm there on like... 50% oh, look, of it, right? I think even Tim Ferriss would say as well too, like yeah. you know, he's, he's probably there on, on most of it, not all of it. Some of it's, you know, sort of, you know, experimental if you like or interesting. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the sleep thing is really massive and I think the watch, I mean, that's awesome in terms of, of that, but there's so much more to it than obviously outside the sleep, correct? Yeah, I mean, look, sleep plays a big role then in recovery. Yeah. And recovery, I think, encompasses a lot of different things. Yeah. So we talk primarily about overtraining, right, being something that negatively impacts your recovery. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example, because there's other things like mental fatigue that will affect your recovery, right? Uh, It's all playing off the same sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. So I ran the Boston Marathon, Okay, I didn't train for it that well. I got a really high strain on Whoop. And for the next three days, 
um, I had red recoveries. So my body was run down from this big event. Okay. Right. Now, the first time Whoop launched a product to the public, uh, there was like an intense week leading up to it. There was the big press announcement. I had to do a bunch of press. And it actually turned out that my body was more run down after that buildup of huh. launching a product than it was running the Boston Marathon. We can and so, but, but here's the thing, right? Like, yeah. I, think, I think there's a lot of people listening to this out there in the world who are putting stress on their body that they almost don't give themselves credit for. Mm, right? I agree like, with rah, you. rah, I ran the marathon. Yeah. But actually, in terms of my body needing to recover, yeah. it was the intensity of work that I really needed the biggest uh, recovery from. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, that goes back to 24-7 monitoring, and it goes back to, I think, how Whoop can help you frame all these different things in your life. Mm. Yeah. That's well, amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's even with the guys with the vault as well, too, the amount of... Sorry about the whooping in the background. That's the guys. I think they're cheering for... They heard yeah. Will was here. Yeah. That was, that's yeah. Uh, on the other side of the balcony. Yeah. Woo, woo, woo. But uh, the, uh, the, the impact that executives have on their life as well, too, in terms of obviously uh, the stress and the cortisol and, you know, the decisions. I mean, obviously, there are ways and mechanisms to be able to deal with stress that you can do, incorporate meditation, being centered, you know, turmeric, all that sort of stuff is magnesium. But yeah, obviously, monitoring stress, but giving yourself the credit, a lot of these executives probably would not say, well, it's not like I've just run a marathon, or I haven't worked out today. So they're not probably taking the precautions or putting the, the yeah. emphasis on sleep and recovery as maybe they should. And, and look, I mean, let's not forget about relationships too. You know, if, uh, if you're in a happy, loving relationship versus getting divorced or you lost a family member or, you know, life happens, right? Yeah. And all of that affects your body too. And I think people may underestimate that, right? Mm. They really may underestimate that. And we've seen some profound data from Whoop users who are going through something like yep. what I just described. Yeah. Yep. And the reality, again, is you need to manage your body differently when you're going through that stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah. You can't just be on the same track all the time. You need to be adapting. You have to acknowledge the effect that it has on that body. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if your home's not a sanctuary, I mean, how can you have a good sleep? Tell you what, it does fix that blue light issue and not playing with the phone right up until bedtime. Yeah. You get a good five minutes of something else yeah 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 well <laughs> five minutes in heaven is better than you know two minutes in heaven that's right but, um in terms of uh who is the average consumer that's using your watch i mean it sounds like there's a broad demographic not just athletes but yeah i mean what's been awesome for us is we went from really the best athletes in the world to now having you know executives people who want to better understand their bodies people who live stressful lives people who are fitness enthusiasts runners mm. cyclists swimmers triathletes marathoners probably a bunch of people competing in the spartan race where we yeah. are today yeah uh but you know also people with active jobs right mm, yeah. you get doctors and surgeons and cops shift and workers firemen, shift, shift workers would be horrendous do they ever get not a red light well, they learn to manage it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the key is you have to figure out how to manage these things. Yeah. And so how I'm still a little bit confused a little bit about how it can gather data and tell you when you're recovered. I, well, I just, look, your body has physiological indicators mm -hmm. that you can't feel. Yep. And in general, when it comes to performance, feelings are largely overrated. We as human beings like relying on feelings, but our feelings are often wrong. Yep. Our, whereas our body... It's almost like these secrets that your body is trying to tell you. They can predict things about your performance. I mean, heart rate variability is probably the most important thing. Um, 
heart rate variability to geek out for a second is a lens into your autonomic nervous system. So your autonomic nervous system, as you guys know, consists of sympathetic and parasympathetic activity, right? Sympathetic is activation, heart rate up, blood pressure up, respiration up. It's what's happening when you're stressed or you're exercising or you're thinking about something. It's what happens when you inhale, mm. right? That's sympathetic. <clears throat> Parasympathetic is all the opposite. Heart rate down, blood pressure down, respiration down. It's what happens when you exhale. It's what mm -hmm. helps you fall asleep. And you want actually for every sympathetic to have a parasympathetic response. Yeah. That's a sign that your body is really in tune. It's really rested. It's really repaired. It's really focused. And um, when you see that balance, sympathetic, parasympathetic, sympathetic, you know, when you see that balance, it actually increases your heart rate variability. Yep. So higher heart rate variability, as you know, is better. And we measure this phenomenon during slow wave sleep. Mm -hmm. So slow wave sleep is when your body is producing human mm, growth hormone mode. and it's recovering mm. and when it's repairing. So every night we measure slow wave sleep during this important period of time and we measure heart rate variability during that yeah, right. and then we're able to compare your baseline over three day seven day and 30 day moving averages to tell you where you're at today yeah it's fascinating another thing for the other um listeners to our podcast we often talk about acids and metabolic waste and those sort of things and they settle when you settle so often when you're moving around we can pant and breathe but when we relax we start getting some acid shifting out of our muscles and irritating sympathetic nerves and that sort of stuff as well which can um probably influence that variability in that slow wave sleep phase so. yeah look and and nutrition plays a big role yeah, too yeah, yeah. right like well, and have you noticed anything in terms of the things i mean you mentioned before about the melatonin with the sleep but is there there any other uh, you know, key insights that well, you can the, share with us? The most profound, and this probably won't come as much of a surprise, but the most profound is alcohol. Right. Right? Yeah. How bad? Alcohol dramatically affects your sleep and dramatically affects your heart rate variability the next day. Right. And it's, it's probably okay one drink, one to two drinks, it becomes a question mark. Anything north of that, you're going to see a response, a yeah. negative response. Yeah, right. It's 100 percent of the time. And in fact, we've worked with you know thousands of college athletes at this point. In college athletes, it's not one or two drinks, right? It's often binge drinking. Yeah, sure. And what we've seen is the college athletes who report drinking on a night versus their teammates who report not drinking have a suppressed recovery of up to five. Days. Five days. Wow. So everyone intuitively is like, all right, I'm hungover the next day, and mm. then it's gone. Mm. Not no. at all. Wow. In the data, it has this lasting effect. Wow. Man, the Brisbane Broncos need these things. Which oh, is yeah. profound. Our, our, our team uh, basically made it into the playoffs, awesome. and they went out drinking the night before this knockout semifinal, and they, they yeah, they got knocked out. They, the, the worst, Why would they drink before? Because they're idiots. Mm. And, and I think some of the teams got sacked and all the rest of it, and they mm. lost the worst game i think that they've had in i mean it's literally the least surprising thing yeah. right? i know right yeah. but i mean it's it's interesting is that that sort of data backed up with with real science is is absolutely phenomenal yeah what, what about caffeine in terms of um you know dr session panda and a few of the other people talk about sleep and, and so and this is one that varies more by individual than other things right. <clears throat> everyone metabolizes caffeine a little bit differently right the more of a tolerance you build up to caffeine, the less obviously an effect it'll have on your body. Generally speaking, if you want like an ultimatum, drinking caffeine 
after 2 or 3 p.m. in the day will start to impact your sleep. Yeah. Now, you can mm-hmm. offset against it, but if you want to be optimal, you try not. not to do it. Yeah. With um, the drinking, uh, before we move on with that, those, there's some people out there that'll have the and the, the medical journals will say one or two drinks or you know a serve of alcohol daily or something like that could be good for you. Have you noticed that's not true? I'm not a drinker, by the way. I don't want you to look, yeah, condone yeah, yeah, a yeah, habit. Yeah. And the different types of alcohol, I'm curious yeah. too. Yeah. Generally speaking, clearer alcohols are mm-hmm. better. Yeah. So vodka and gin versus beer. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, there's been some studies that, that suggest that red wine yeah. um, has long Is that something you've noticed benefits. with your data? I think mostly what we see is alcohol is bad. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. that's kind of your simple ultimatum. Now, yeah. we don't know often how many drinks someone's having, but yeah. anecdotally, that's it. And, and we'll ask people if they've had more than two drinks. Yeah. So that seems to be the tipping point where yep. it starts to negatively impact you dramatically. If someone has one drink, is it is it nil or is it slightly negative or slightly positive again it depends on the alcohol depends on the person right so you know a woman who weighs 110 pounds having uh, a shot of um you know liquor right before she goes to bed yeah it's gonna have a very different effect on you know a 250 pound man drinking a glass of red wine four hours before bed yeah yeah yeah. right and in fact the the time before bed is quite important too yeah alcohol right before bed is quite disruptive yeah alcohol three hours or plus before bed then it starts to have less of an effect right so it's like all of these different things that again manage what you measure you start measuring these things you start managing it yeah have you had time to gather enough data regarding um cbd and i know everyone in america so that I've seen is talking CBD. I like the drum roll leading up to the CBD. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Did you see that? I planned You that. know, CBD is, uh, again, it's at such an early phase mm. right now. There's not a lot of data out there. Anecdotally, I hear from Whoop users, uh, hey, started taking CBD and now my REM's uh, higher, my slow wave's higher. So I know it's working for some people. Yeah. Wow. The other thing, though, to keep in mind is CBD, uh, there's so many products out mm. there there's not a lot of regulation yeah, quality so you don't i can't say hey cbd's good or cbd's yeah. bad because a lot of it comes down to a specific product for a specific person yeah i do think there's evidence that it's working for certain people yeah. and when i say it i mean there's certain products that are working for certain people yeah and keep in mind there's all these different ways to administer it yeah but again if you're interested in it i would say one start monitoring your body do a trial. Uh, my bias is towards whoop. And two, <laughs> yeah. um, and two, uh, you know, then start to see how it affects yeah. your body. You have had hemp. Oh, sorry. Go, man. I was going to ask about recreational weed then, because, I mean, there would have been plenty of data, but not many people are going to be reporting that, are they? Yeah, we've heard it anecdotally from whoop yeah. users, some positive, some negative. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know also some people take CBD products that have THC. Yeah. And yeah. some take CBD products that don't. Mm. I've heard more positive things about CBD CBD products that don't have THC. Again, this is more anecdotal, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's another wow. trial. Any, any other interesting um, uh, meta? In, in, the, the, I think the, food allergies also play a sneaky role in your data. Most mm. people don't actually know what they're allergic to. Right. And, and we'll see this with, with Whoop users who say they do everything right. Like they're, they're saints, so to speak, you know, Hey, I don't drink alcohol. Hey, I'm training based on my recovery. Um, I, you know, I have happy relations or whatever, these perfect lives, but then they'll say like, 
Yeah, Sounds but like I keep Instagram. getting Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe there's a little exaggeration here, but but then they'll say, you know, but all of a sudden I'm getting these red recoveries. Why am I getting them? And one one unlock there has been food allergies. Wow. Yeah. Where we've found that certain people, uh, you know, have food sensitivities they were never aware of. Yeah. And those show up in your Whoop data. And they can change quite quickly. Again, we're not going to tell yeah. you, hey, you're allergic to gluten. No, no. But, um, but people can use the data. So, for example, yeah, a naturopathic data. style might be an elimination diet. And then yeah. you'd try to rechallenge, but we'd be looking for subjective feedback. You know, how do you feel and that sort of stuff. So in this case, we could do the elimination style. We could rechallenge and then use the WHOOP data to see heart rate variabilities and that sort of stuff that might respond to, or poor recovery days that might respond to those foods that they've rechallenged. So look, absolutely. I, want to play. I think that I think the <laughs> diet is a wildly. Um, confusing thing and yeah. people you know pick up a magazine and read 15 steps to why to go keto and next thing you know they're on an incredibly disruptive diet oh. to their body oh okay. massive change. let's talk about diets i mean yeah. i'm really interesting have you seen in the population uh, you know any benefits to any of these different like the keto diet or the paleo yeah, diet i mean it's a lot like cbd where it's like look you have to figure out what's right for you yeah. um and all sorts of different um, diets have different effects on people. So yeah, let's preface yeah. it with that. I think first thing for anyone to consider when starting a diet is what is your goal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? You're trying to lose weight. You're trying to get fitter. You're trying to win an event. You're trying to be cognitively more focused. I mean, those are all fundamentally different paths that are going to take you on a different journey. Yeah. I think a lot of people will start a diet without knowing what they want. And, you know, it's hard to get what you want if you don't know what it is. So, yeah, yeah. so that's really the first step. I think from a, from a weight loss standpoint, like pure weight loss, potentially sacrifice for performance, you know, things like keto, paleo, low carb, like those mm. can work. Yeah. I've seen, though, on the other side of that, really negative whoop data. Yep. You know, people having really low recoveries for a number of days in a row as their body try to get into ketosis and get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, you got to keep in mind there could be a short term uh, adaptation. Yeah, adaptation, mm. negative impact. Are you okay going a week mm. being really suboptimal? And massive changes to microbiome as you change those totally. doors. Yeah. The other thing to consider is. Um, how long are you hoping to do these things for and how disciplined are you actually? Mm. I went on a paleo diet for about five months at one point in my life. And it's almost better described as failio because, <laughs> you know, it was like once a week, maybe I was having the wrong thing or, right. you know, and, uh, and this was four or five years ago. But what I found was that the days where I didn't follow the strict diet my body uh, couldn't hang at all. You know, you eat a turkey sandwich and I felt like someone had just stabbed me in the stomach. You know, and so I asked myself, okay, I do feel great when I'm following this thing, but do I really want to be, do I want my body to be that, you know, incapable of adapting to its environment? And so that's where, for me personally, I wanted to take a step back and, you know, my diet is fairly inclusive where I'll eat a lot of different things, um, you know, try to stay organic and whole food and things like that. Some of the obvious stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I'll eat pasta, I'll eat bread. Like, yeah. you know, the, I, I like those things and I find that I perform at a high level on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in terms of um, the watch, how much does it sell for? Where, where do you sell it? 
Uh, where can people learn more about um, the watch and really dive in? Have you got uh, YouTube channels? Uh, obviously, website. Yeah. So uh, first of all, whoop.com is a great place to learn more yeah, about. Man, the that's product. a good website. W h o o p. Wow. Wow. Did you have to pay a lot of money for that? You know, it was an adventure acquiring that. Yeah. We'll save that for another podcast. Yeah. So whoop.com, you can learn everything about the product there. Really think of it as a membership. So the hardware comes free with it. Um, it comes with hardware, software, analytics. We have a customer support team that'll answer questions about your data or help you. Yeah. Um, and it's just a monthly subscription. Great. So you can pay as little as $18 a month. Wow, that's awesome. You can sign up for as little as $30 down. So yeah. we tried to make it really flexible. And you know, by being a subscription versus a large upfront cost, the promise we're making to you is that you're going to see benefit over time. Yeah. You're going to see the value that we're delivering over time. And by the way, if you don't, you can cancel and stop paying us. Wow. It's and, that simple. And and, and you support um, globally, like you, you worldwide? Yeah. Uh, so today, Whoop is in the US, Canada, um, most of Europe, especially English, English-speaking Europe. Uh, and we just launched in Australia. Oh, brilliant. Awesome. And, and the UAE, excuse me, United Arab Emirates. Yeah, well, oh, brilliant. Our biggest markets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is cool. Um, and in terms of... Um, and then, sorry, we're also, you can find us on social at Whoop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you mm. can find me online at Will Ahmed, yep. W-I-L-L-A-H-M-E-D. Yeah, yeah. And happy to answer more questions about all this stuff too. Oh, yeah, wow, you must get bombarded. Yeah, it's, it's fun, man. It's yeah, really yeah. fascinating. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, we're running out of time. I mean, I think we could probably have yeah. another <laughs> forty-five we'll minutes more. I, I'd, yeah, love to, I'd love to do a follow-up later on and find out any new data, any new science you're learning. And, and look, we're always publishing white papers, yeah. new research studies. We've got some stuff coming out that we can't talk about today, but yeah. you know, we'll, we'll love when to that's stay out. In touch. When it's time, yeah. let's talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that we're really keen of, and, Matt, and Matt's obviously working with. Uh, uh, Richard Kreider from ISSN and, and doing trials is that we actually want to to look at doing some in-house trials as well too and actually measuring the response in the body. This could actually yeah. be kind of cool for some in-house stuff for us before we go out to maybe do some some larger double-blind placebo-controlled studies, you know what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah look, we've done a lot of... Um, of work with research institutions and, and being a sidekick, I would say, as well to different studies. Yeah. So... Just having that that data can create an interesting side data set alongside whatever you're looking at. Yeah. Sometimes right. it can be a core thing. I mean, we're involved in drug trials looking at efficacy of drugs. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, we're doing stuff with patients uh, who have diabetes. We're doing stuff um, around diets. Yeah. Uh, all, we're, just, uh, we're in an Alzheimer's paper. So there are like a lot of different things. That's cool. Yeah. So whoop.com, if you're yeah, in those markets that you mentioned. And by the way, um, I know I forgot to mention before, uh, as far as uh, technology support, is it Android and iPhone? Yeah, Android, iOS, yep. Yep, mm. perfect. Oh, it sounds like you thought of everything including coming to Australia, which is a great move. Because I know that that, I mean, like the amount of people that I see that obviously utilize, you know, the, oh, yeah. the sort of data is absolutely huge. Yeah, so. look, I think Australia deserves a lot of credit for being uh, a leader in exercise physiology. I mean, a lot of those papers I was reading six or seven years ago when I founded WHOOP were really around um, some of the work that had been done in Australia. Mm. And, uh, and look, the thing I'll say about research is that unfortunately a lot of times it's on subjects 10 people yeah 20 yes. people yeah not 10 you know million. not 10 million data sets yeah. so that's an advantage hopefully that whoop can have going forwards to really 
give back to the medical community. I mean, yeah. we, we want to play a role, too, in helping people understand their bodies and improving human performance. And yeah. that's your why. Yeah. That's your why. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Look, that's thanks excellent, so much, man. Will. And thanks, thanks for coming on. We definitely want to stay connected with you. Uh, again, uh, whoop.com to find out some more information. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, again, Matt and I will be back with some more soon uh, from Lake Tahoe. Thanks again to Jeff and Matt for recording this episode with me. And a big shout out to all of our loyal listeners who've been with us for the past year. We love you. If you're not already a WHOOP member, you can join our community for as low as $30 to begin. We provide you with 24-7 access to your biometric data, as well as analytics across strain, sleep, recovery, heart rate variability, and more. The membership comes with a free WHOOPstrap 3.0. We offer 6, 12, and 18-month memberships. The more you sign up for, the more you save. If you enter the code WILLAHMED at checkout, that's W-I-L-L-A-H-M-E-D, will give you $30 off a membership just for listening to this podcast. For our European customers, the code is WILLAHMEDEU, and that will give you 30 euros off when you join. For our listeners in Australia, the code WILLAHMEDAU will get you 35 Australian dollars off your membership and for our current members, you can upgrade to the Whoopstrap 3.0 and get access to all the new Whoop Live features by following the link in your Whoop app. If you're out of contract, you'll literally get the 3.0 for free when you commit to another six months. Check out whoop.com slash thelocker for show notes and more, including links to relevant topics from this conversation and others. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Whoop podcast on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can find me online at Will Ahmed. I try to respond to everyone who reaches out. Uh, and you can also follow at Whoop on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can email thelocker at whoop.com with any thoughts, ideas, or suggestions you may have. Thank you again to all our listeners, to all our Whoop members. We love you.